Uh, awesome. Feels like a long time without a pod. I'm joined by Gary Banford. Uh, how you doing, mate? You well? Um, really good, thanks. Thanks for having me on board. Uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, great to meet you the other week up in Derby. Uh, and uh, this, I'm definitely going to ask you to do the introduction. Normally I get about 20 minutes in. I forgot to do the introduction, but I'm still, you're still a mystery to me. Tell me, tell me what, what is it you do? Why are we chatting? What's going on? So I got asked earlier how we got to talking, which I can't actually remember where the connection came from, Rusty. It, but was, back... uh, it was Nick from Alembic. That's right, Nick from Alembic, that's right. So uh, uh, my background is mostly UK Special Forces. So I, I, I sort of had a brief four or five year career in the Marines. The Twin Towers attack happened, which was my motivation to volunteer for a bigger challenge, uh, which led me into UK Special Forces. The SCS selection process, I was a volunteer for the SBS and went through that. Uh, I was successful and had a, I've had a long career, um, which recently ended back in December um, from 2003 um, in UK Special Forces. Um, it's been pretty extreme and I guess that's my context and that's what I offer. That's where I fit in with, I think, with performance psychology and performance consultancy is showing one extreme end of the, the human uh, physiology and psychology of what we can cope with pressure-wise, what we can work together as a team to achieve um, and, and foster sort of great culture and high performance, high performance teams really. So I, that's my message. Um, I now do that as a performance consultant into various different organizations, quite a lot of sport again, which is, is why we've hooked up. Yeah, we both want to be out in our shorts running around. This is it. This is it. <laughs> Kicking and chucking a ball about. That's the uh, that's the goal, right? And uh, I was just thinking, the way I've been moaning about my niece since Sunday, I would not have been able to inhabit your world. Um, you what may you be surprised. What are you missing uh, from December? So um, we're definitely going to talk about the stuff you're doing and that. But what's what do you miss the most from? Um, I don't miss a lot, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, I, I, I was lucky with my career, like you said, you know, I've walked away with all body parts intact, which is an absolute bonus through the, the, the years that I've been there. But um, I, I managed to tick a lot of boxes, which um, I joined to do. Um, and I've, from a few years before the end, I was ready to, to move on. And that, that transition into the real world um, um, was a long time coming for me. So I, I don't really miss an awful lot. If there was, if I was to be pressed on it, you know, the lads, um, the the culture, the sort of team spirit that we had um, is pretty unique. Um, but like I said, I was certainly ready for a change, you know, mentally, personally anyway. So, yeah, not a lot, but uh, if it was anything, the, the lads and the banter, you know, you, you can't you can't replicate that easily. No, not at home with the missus. It's not quite, That's quite true. That's quite true. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? When you, say you said culture, we've chatted a bit around that and... I mean, what does that mean to you What when you use the word? What are you thinking? Yeah, so um, that sort of intrinsic um, belief of yourself, where you fit, your own self-image fits within an organisation and wanting to be a part of that organisation. You know, um, both of my previous sort of military organisations, the Royal Marines and um, UKSF, you know, are massive on culture and the individuals are selected based on their fit for their culture. You know, it, it doesn't work the other way around. Talent identification, which I'm sure we're going to get into. Um, in, in my mind, we are 
selecting people for the job as opposed to people hitting a certain metric of performance and being able to get in um, with massive, you know, a, a bad egg just doesn't fit. And so for me, culture is all about that, that team spirit, that, um, that environment that guys are striving to just be the best that they can um, and perform in the most challenging experiences and situations, um, which, you know, my background, you know, enabled me to, to test myself and, and, and to do. Nice. And we've definitely connected around and you mentioned it, the talent ID stuff. And obviously you had an, a fun day with, uh, with Fletch from the Crusaders. That's and, right. That's uh, right. Top Jake from the FA, which I'm very jealous that I couldn't make. Um, what would that look like in your world? So, you know, actually, how are you selecting people? What's the stuff you're looking for? And we've chatted previously about, you know, often people are, they go to the stuff that's easy to measure. And my sense actually in the military and just come back from doing a thing with the army actually is that they would measure lots of stuff and they would want to, you know, you've got to do, be able to do 20 pull-ups. You've got to be able to do this. I mean, maybe it's just because I've watched too much of SAS. Are you tough enough? What's yeah. the, what's the reality? No comment. Of yeah. What's the reality of talent ID in your world? Um, we've, we've absolutely got performance filters. Um, you know, we are, you know, we, we recruit and talent ID from, or did, I should say, from uh, um, trained military people. You can't join uh, from, from elsewhere, so you've got to have spent a bit of time in the military. And uh, the biggest challenge for people is to stick that hand up and volunteer and actually put themselves into an environment where over 90% of people are going to fail. And people are coming from backgrounds of already high-performing teams, whether they're the Marines, the paratroopers, uh, wherever um, and put your hand up to a course that 90% of people statistically are going to fail is a massive step for people because it really affects their ego potentially and what other people think of them. So uh, actually the challenge was to encourage people to believe in themselves um, and to build relationships and a bit of trust that actually they'll benefit from just enjoying the process. Uh, so that's where I spent some of my time um, Certainly, as the process goes on, um, like I said, we, we have performance indicators, various different physical tests. Um, it's really, I always likened it to shaking the lemon tree. You know, lemons fall out and you end up with sort of more people that uh, have got made a more, more of the right stuff. Um, again, which we can talk a little bit around um, what that right stuff is, but it's, it's not a simple it's certainly not a simple process um, and what that magic dust is that makes someone just want to keep going and will not quit isn't an easy thing to uh, find or foster but um, we go some way to trying to do that that's certainly where I spent most of my time cool. uh, and end in mind what is the stuff so what is the stuff you feel separates the you know you spoke earlier about you know that kind of elite uh, mindset elite you know, whatever it might be, what is the stuff that you guys yeah. were interested in trying to, yeah. trying to observe? Yeah. So once once we'd gone through a series of sort of high performance physical tests, then you're putting people into a, a a long period of really difficult environments where, um, you know, we would test people's ability to manage stress internally. You know, they're not getting feedback regularly. Um, they're they're internal. You know, we want people that can. Uh, internalize and you know, make the right decisions themselves 
um, massive amounts of resilience, you know, people that aren't afraid to fail, like I said, about willing to volunteer, put their hand up, face the challenge, um, massive amounts of resilience required and the self-discipline, I guess, to um, do the, make the right decisions when they need to make them, you know, not to be told what to do. We're looking for people that can think for themselves and, and, and you know, because we're going to put them into environments where, again, they're not going to be getting instructions with what they need to do. They're just going to have to um, learn to make the right decisions and they're the people we're looking for. So I'd say ability to manage stress, perform under pressure, call it what you will, a huge amounts of resilience and that self-discipline to, uh, to make the right decisions. Give me some moments you would look for. So I'm always, it's interesting, we did the podcast with Mo Boba and he talked about talent ID in cricket. He yep. spoke a lot about, actually, we, we were very intentional around which moments we looked at. So for me in a rugby game, it's, it's all well and good looking at someone when they're winning by 80 points, but actually that's not the interesting stuff. It's all well and good looking at someone have a penalty when they're 3-0 up, when actually penalty, last minute, you've got to score it to draw the game is. So clearly you'll be creating lots of high pressure moments, but what type of stuff, what stuff are you looking for? Are there any moments that spring to mind? You go, that, I saw it, I just saw it then. Yeah, so we've got a number. We've got a number of gateways, I guess, that people um, are expected to come through physically, but then also mentally. So the physical ones, you can Google all this. There's stuff on the the, the SAS selection process. You know, there's some pretty hideous long marches for many, many days where um, the final week is based around um, a system of if you fail more than once, you're off. Um, and people, you know, careers are based on decisions they make there and then um, and if they make the wrong decision often um, they don't get many opportunities to correct that so we're looking for people that can deal with fatigue deal with high pressure that way um, you know people often get confused um, in that process with um, thinking that it's a physical test the reality is it's you know speak to people that have passed it and they'll they'll say it's very much a mental test as opposed to a physical the, perform the performance standards actually are never as high as people expect them to be it's difficult it's really difficult people have got to be really motivated but it's it's the mental challenge of just living inside your own mind for six seven hours a day um, with no feedback from any instructors and just keep plodding along hoping that you're going uh, as fast as you can and you're making the times and it's 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 really challenging and people really really struggle with that so certainly that is a gateway we've got expectations but then out in the again a lot of this is out in google you you know we could take people to the jungle and there's certain scenarios i don't want to go into too much detail that we have high expectations of people's situational awareness and making the right choices when there's stacks of real-time pressure where um real bullets are going down range and People have to be understanding what certain drills and aspects of what they're doing is. So, uh, yeah, we're massive on that. And if there's, you know, safety and people making safe decisions ultimately is, is huge. So we don't want people that are so amped to the cut. And it's emotional control most of the time. So it's controlling their emotions. They've got the skills, yes, but their emotions are able to be managed and they can uh, control their actions and motor skills. Uh, ultimately, make good decisions. That's, that's the kind of person that succeeds. Um, and then again, there's there's probably ten other gateways that we put people through that we expect um, high standards. Where there's always discussions afterwards, but uh, and some of it would be arguably subjective. But uh, um, we've got teams of people that are very experienced in what they do, uh, making these assessments. So it's a fairly fair process. Um, 
yeah, I can't go into too much details, unfortunately, Rusty. I'd rather not. But, what does yeah. uh, what what does high standards look like from a coaching point of view in your world? Yeah, the the guys the guys are self disciplined. So high standards where. Um, we talk a lot about values, you know, the, the ethos of people that serve in these organizations, you know, they, they have characteristics of humility. So humility is, is, is huge. Um, which is why it's always awkward people talking about what they did because, you know, uh, why, these, why is it? And, and, and we were talking earlier and you just said, actually, someone had used the word elite around you and you felt a bit uncomfortable and sweaty around it. But yeah. what, why, why is humility so important in, in your, in that world? Because you're going to face challenges where you're going to struggle, you're going to fail. Um, and on top of that, you're, it's, we're a team organization. So whenever somebody is highlighting themselves as, um very very good they're only very good because of the people that they're surrounded with we you know i I read you know reading reading the book legacy with the all blacks is exactly the same you know you've you know an individual can be incredibly good at what they do but on your own you're nothing right so um everybody in our organize my old organization was was very very good and we had high expectations and self and self-discipline you know we didn't have you know we weren't physically when you were you know going about your business your careers um you weren't tested physically for annual fitness tests you weren't you you very rarely were you checked out with you making the right decisions on on operations there was expectations and you held yourself accountable to those standards not someone sort of giving you a pat down kit check making sure that you've got everything because um that's just you know absolute basics um that is what's required so people making mistakes on the back of that just didn't stick around. They didn't last. So, uh, yeah, very high expectations of people. Um, but, but, but needed to be because the, the risks were very high. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, everyone's fallible. Everyone, you need humility because we all make mistakes and, you know, naturally when mistakes are made in certain situations, um, you know, there's very high, um, well, there's very uh, bad things happen, shall we say, you know, fatalities, casualties, um, you know, the worst kind of things that people can have to deal with happen. Um, and we're all human um, and those mistakes happen. But, you know, having high, highly resilient people that can deal with understanding, well, guess what? You know, we are here to make the difficult decisions. No one else in the world can do this, right? The police, you know, UK police can't come out and help on this because, you know, if somebody, a British person's taken around the other side of the world, Nobody's going to go get them, right? Unless the UKSF go and get them. Um, that's just the reality. And so, you know, you put in these situations and you're trusted um, to make the right decisions. And there's an awful lot of trust uh, there because, and which is why selection standards are very high. With humility fitting around, and now I've chatted, we chatted a bit about what's the stuff that you feel would transfer. But one of the things I notice in lots of, uh, sporting organizations that aren't doing so well is is actually hierarchy and it's actually quite rare for the person at the top to be that humble and they're probably telling everyone else why they're the boss and showing yeah. more or less certificates and stuff i mean how does how does that sit with you how does that work does that make you feel it just doesn't happen in in my old world um and that just doesn't happen you know of course there's always we've, we've got a we've got an average group of people sort of on the personality scale, you know, there's, there's a, there's a broad spectrum of types of personalities. So there's always going to be those people that want to 
tell it it's about me it's about me you know of course but those people don't generally rise to the top um um, but they're, they're, you know, they're good and they're needed for various different reasons. You know, we need a we need a spectrum of people. So, um, but the people at the very top, the, people, the, the best leaders, you know, know what know when to be the, the kind of person they need to be, and you know, react to situations and trust the people below them. You know, and it, it it would be very unusual for someone at the top of their game in 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 UKSF to be championing themselves about I I'm this I'm that. It just very unlikely. And what would coaching look like? So someone's passed, someone's, you know, into the organisation. What would your, you know, what would development look like? How would you plan stuff? How would you review stuff? Uh, what you, What's yeah. the stuff in that area, again, that you feel, you know, business, sport, other worlds might learn some stuff from? And clearly you would. By the way, you're now going into lots of other environments, and, and you'll be learning some stuff as well. Oh, absolutely! I'm le- you know that's and that's the point, isn't it? We're we're an, you want the culture where everybody's trying to learn cons- constantly. So um, we're on a constant cycle of people being deployed somewhere, um, and so we're always got the opportunity to learn from the people that are in the thick of it and um, having to make decisions that they probably never come up against in training before. So again, the constant feedback loop of what works, what doesn't work. So we will have um, our SOP, standard operating procedures. Um, and sometimes they need to flex, they, very rarely. But, you know, there is, when, when chaos is happening, you know, we need to have a default set of uh, procedures that we need to go through to deal with that that's worked best in the past. Now, there's times that you'll learn that, you know, the people that you're against are making changes. So we need to evolve too, right? I think that's the biggest change we've seen since since uh, 2001 is the, the people that we were generally sort of working with and against have, have changed an awful lot and they've adapted. So we have to adapt, you know, there's, uh, I think it's Craven that talks a lot about this. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for, for us, that constant feedback loop of and being prepared, again, going back to humility, being prepared to understand what you know isn't always the right thing now. So just because you've always done it that way, that doesn't work. You know, when things change, as things evolve, you need to be prepared to evolve too. Um, and again, that's not always smooth, but that's the organization that you work with. And I think truly high performance organizations, whether that's business, uh, sport, whatever, are those organizations that can adapt the quickest. Um, and we used to spend and I still myself try and invest in myself to be constantly adapting to my new needs, you know, and constantly learning, constantly listening to your podcast, picking the brains of the uh, super talented coaches out there. So, um, you know, that's that's part and parcel of, you know, having that self-discipline to be constantly improving, you know. There's, you don't want to be plateauing or heading down downwards, right? You want to be uh, failing forwards and going upwards. Yeah, and that you just reminded me. So Jack Patterson at London Irish put a really nice um, image on Twitter the other day, which is just around some, um, just a summary of the different types of training you do. So it could be block practice, it might be the game, it might be metacognition and the Emmy Price stuff. Yeah. But one of them was tactical warfare, which clearly you were taking part in, and in the truest sense of the phrase, tactical warfare. Um, so I, I'm, that's what I'm curious about. So standard operating procedures ability to adapt how would you coach encourage that and i guess once again and probably one of my big pieces of advice to coaches around how they review stuff would be 
So even if you just reviewed around when did you adapt and why did you adapt? So we got standard operating procedures, but actually we adapted at the points A, B, C, D and E. And this is why and this is what we learned within the game. Yeah. How are you how are you guys doing adapting? How are managing it, yeah. I think it's so important. Yeah, well, I completely agree. So we would always spend you know, and this is what I see with sport actually, where there's a bit of a difference. You know, sports, um, we would always post operation review exactly what happened in the minute detail, storyboard, how it went at each stage of the plan and what we did right what didn't go right and everyone's opinion and you know that that we would invest heavily in that and we would do that most of the time immediately after so people getting rest and coming back after the weekend didn't happen it, you know things evolved quickly we would maybe work in again the next day so we would have to learn on the job put that into practice the very next day or night so um, we would have to go through it there and then and Going back to humility, everybody being prepared to share what happened, take it on the chin if they made a mistake. And quite often, you know, and again, this is what I see with, with sport a little bit. And I understand why, again, the principles, why um, it's not always best to do it immediately after because emotions are high, right? But if people genuinely have um, humility and an understanding that this is how you will progress fast enough and to put and to someone to scrum master it to coach it through right to mediate uh, a discussion and to keep it on track uh, and everyone having the discipline to stick to that and then you know you, you have to you have to learn as you go and that's ultimately what we did an awful lot of so that would get those feedbacks through the after action reviews would then get um, fed back in to the following day or the organization and then back and all people in all places would be learning from that. Um, and that was an essential part. And what we often learned actually is uh, how you saw something. And this is why it was important to do it straight away. When, when chaotic things are happening and big things have happened and maybe there's been casualties, it's really important that people put their concerns to bed, right? Because they might be harboring some um, feelings about what happened that, you know, they, they saw it from their their angle, they saw it from their truth, but that might not be the complete truth. That might, might not be the reality. And so we have to lay all that out for people to understand that actually what happened happened for this reason, as opposed to how they saw it through their blinkered view. Does that make sense? So um, we often would spend time there. And that was that was critical for people to, you know, and I've got various experiences where people sat on that for a little bit, thinking that they'd made mistakes when the reality is they, they really hadn't. And um, it's important that we lay it out there. So yeah, I mean, we are we were massive on that, and we were always big on that. And I, some of my work with sport, um, again, it's something I bring up, and again, it's something coaches, managers squirm at because the thought of keeping your players behind for an extra couple of hours after a game just seems so alien that you know we need to let them go home and sleep on it, right? And yeah, maybe so. Um, and I guess the, the difference, one of the differences, is um, sport has got a lot of reviewing to do with data and with uh, videography, right? Um, we never very, or very rarely had that. So we only had the stories that the people would tell from the people that were there. So that would be one big difference. And I understand that there's a need to gather all the data that sport needs to put together. So, um, and, and data doesn't lie. Um, it can be interpreted different ways, but it, it doesn't lie. So it's important to have that, right? 
So yeah, um, we after action reviews and, and time spent doing that right and feeding that back in is is time where we would invest a lot. Uh, I wrote some notes then, <clears throat> some stuff I was thinking about. One was Fletcher always talks about when he goes to New Zealand, they just have robust conversations with each other. Yeah. No airs of graces. There's and actually I was um, <clears throat> I was with uh, Ian Kikane today. His daughter plays rugby for England. He was talking about the current coach of Glasgow, whose name I've forgotten, who's a Kiwi, he's going to come to me later. And he said, I was, he said, I was just a assistant coach with the girls and he just called me in and was asking me about stuff. And he just said, that wouldn't happen in England. The second thing I was thinking about is, often it is one person's view and it's usually the head coach. And yeah. we're often doing it a long time after when the head coach has seen even more information that other people haven't necessarily seen. Yeah. Um, I do, and we looked a little bit. At, there are sometimes where you actually want to not watch so much video because you want people to imagine it. And then the last story I was thinking about was, and they're always leading the way on stuff, was I spoke to one of the Saracens coaches the other day, and they're doing a lot of work now on their they're, – they're watching some stuff. They're then having these type of conversations – but meanwhile, the analysts have looked at the actual data to see yeah. how good the coaches were at noticing stuff. So saying, oh, well, I thought this. Well, actually, you were wrong. It was this. Yeah, so yeah actually, I love that. To, to, to improve their noticing skills, actually using the analysts almost quite disruptively. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's something It's fascinating. That's something that uh, Kate, Kate Baker spoke about at the FA actually um speaking with myself and shane uh, fletcher and uh talking about you know people we've all got biases right we've all got biases with how we see things but it's actually and this is what i loved about what kate was saying it's actually those biases that makes us subject matter experts so accept that we've got biases and then use those biases to get in a room and actually talk through how you saw it and talk through um what you all glean from that and what you can all share and what is the new right way of doing it and what can you learn from it. So use your biases rather than be afraid of uh, saying something because you think, oh, I just, it's just the way I see it. I'm being negative on, but you know, that makes sense. I really enjoyed how yeah, she spoke about that. It, it makes perfect sense. I was actually speaking to Nigel Redmond today and he was, who works with swimming and he spoke about, he goes into a lot of organizations as well. And he said, he was talking, he was talking about sports scientists, but I, I think it's the same with analysts. Often analysts are working for rather than working with people. And it's often us telling them what to measure, what to do, as opposed to, yeah, and we had this discussion. So he went into a place, uh, yeah. he went into a football club and he said to the analyst, well, what does it take to win a football game? And he said, well, you have to ask the coach. And he said, well, you watch more games than anyone. What does it take? And he said, <laughs> I've never thought of that. <laughs> and, 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 and I like the idea of an analyst as someone who actually, you know, how often as coaches do we watch a game and then reflect on, well, that was my coaching in the week. Yeah. Were we, were we preparing to coach or were we preparing to perform at the weekend? And often, we, you know, it's, I hear, you know, the players don't know this. I told them that. Da, da, da. Actually, well, yeah, I mean, and, and, and you'd get even more, you know, you'd get stronger feedback than that in the military because something really bad might happen. And that would come down to your coaching. 
uh, yeah, and, and, and leadership, yeah, and who's prepared to own that uh, own that risk and uh, sorry, own that uh, own that problem and own that mistake? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's a hard thing to carry, you know. And people have to. Uh, that's why you know it's very rare that you know we talk about an individual because this is it's an organisation looking after each other, you know. So. What yeah, would, you use the word leadership. What does leadership mean in your world? What's the, what does that make you think about? Um, well, you know, we we always were a, um, a team of leaders. Um, that's again something that resonates with me. Um, I know we spoke about it before, Rusty. How I've mentioned to you how um, organizations very hierarchical. I mean, every organization on the planet is high almost up all organizations are hierarchical you know you've got someone at the top and you know that's pyramid shaped down to the bottom um and you know your sports teams um and my old organization is exactly the same but when times of chaos um are going off um and you're just looking for the best answer you know organization has to be very flat so the hierarchy has to be very flat so information can go sideways very fast so whether or not someone is the most senior or the newest person in the team, if they've got the best idea, that's the one you're going with, right? So that is absolutely critical. And again, that comes back to the humility as a leader to give ownership of every every man to you know be able to be feel like they can voice their opinion. Um, and again, I know teams wrestle with that, and coaches, head coaches wrestle with that because your responsibility is sat on key individuals, isn't it? And when responsibility is sat on key individuals, key leaders, then they 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 want to it, the decision to be theirs. Um, but you know, a truly humble leader will be someone that you know takes the best decision, and it's still on them. But it's it, not necessarily their decision. You know, so leadership for me is taking the best of the people around you and um, empowering those to feel like they can um, be vocal about what needs to be done. Um, and just fostering that sort of team of leaders environment. Nice. And I like best answer. <clears throat> There'd be a lot of rugby coaches that are thinking there's one answer when often <clears throat> there might be multiple answers and there may be an even better answer. So it's a bit like Ada McNulty at the Falcons talks about where's the best space. There's loads of space. There's loads of possible answers. Actually, what's the best one in this moment? That's, that's yeah. what we need. And as you said, we actually need to, share that information laterally really quickly so that we can go, you know, score a try, kill a baddie, whatever it might, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. yeah. No, you know, that's, you know, that's the reality, I guess. Um, and, and that comes with people being empowered to speak up and because they, everyone sees it a different way and, you know, you've got to train that, right? So that's coaching. You've got to foster that environment where you're training uh, you're already doing that in training. I was just talking about this. I'm, um, I'm allowed to give a shout out for who I'm working with at the minute. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give for that. So working out, working with Tom Rothwell from Wactu, um, and he's he works with Premier League and football teams uh, more often than not around sort of leadership, experiential leadership. And uh, I'm just talking to them um, about exactly that and and fostering that environment. So. Um, People talk about it a lot, but how well you manage that and how well you uh, uh, allow that to uh, happen in your organisation is is key, right? So, um, do, do people who enter uh, your organisation, your old organisation, do you think they're the 
I mean, do you think the selection automatically almost guarantees that there are people who want to take responsibility, or do you think it's it's and do you think it's it's also developed as well, or what what's your sense around that? Because it would be a in my world, it would be self-organising, but I, 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 li I like your language. Um, However, and, and it's also one of the biggest challenges because often, you know, it's we live in an age where lots of stuff's done for a lot of people. Absolutely. So again, this is something that I see now um, in professional sport. You know, I've and this is, you know, I know we're similar ages, Rusty, and we we all we all only know what we know. Harder paper around than you. Uh, well, mine was in Which Baghdad. Which is weird. So I'd argue, had a harder paper yeah, around. Yeah, mine was in Baghdad, so uh, I'd argue <laughs> that one. Um, so, you know, it's how i've lost my train of thought with that one um what's the question again so actually thinking about do people come in highly responsible and able to take yeah. decisions and self yeah. and how are you and also how are you nurturing it i think i think um i think alluding back to what i said earlier on i think you do generally get people that are willing to face a challenge and um, because naturally you know that's you know like okay use my background as an example so um I was a young man at college. I was 18 years old. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do. The military looked quite exciting, adventurous. I could have volunteered for any military unit. Um, I volunteered for the Royal Marines, which in my mind was the hardest challenge at that point, whether it was the parachute regiment or the Marines. I don't want to get into that debate, but for me, the hardest challenge looked like the Royal Marines. And so I volunteered for that. So already I've come to learn. I didn't think about it at the time, but I've come to learn that that decision is critical in the sense of someone that's willing to face the biggest challenge they can see. And then fast forward X amount of years, that's exactly the same with uh, the selection process. I mean, the clues in the title, you are going to be selected and, you know, arguably one of the hardest tests in, in the world physically for military folk. Um, and most people are going to fail it. So people that volunteer for that are, they deselect themselves, you know, they, they don't volunteer. So we're automatically starting with people that are willing to face a challenge. But what people aren't prepared to do very well or well enough is genuinely suffer for what they want to achieve. And um, I, this is what I was, this is where I lost my train of thought with, uh, with professional sport now, people have had an awful lot of uh, reward at an early age and um, they don't necessarily do any kind of suffering because the environment that they're in, you know, they, they're looked after because they're an asset, right? They're a very valuable asset, and I understand that. So You're already um, picking up the uh, football lingo, well done. Uh, absolutely, and so and I think it's, it's football where this shows itself the most. You know, these guys, and I, I get it, right, from a very young age, I was listening to, was it your conversation with uh, Tom McNulty? Um, talking yeah. about um, the difference of people, you know, footballers are taken on from a real early age. Whereas, you know, my my sporting background, I did everything. I didn't do anything very good, but I, I tried everything. I was competent and above average at most sports. You know, I I just loved getting stuck into sport. Um, uh, but to be successful in some sports, i.e., football, you need to be picked up early, right? And you need to be on that. That train and you become incredibly valuable for the clubs for your families and there's pressure early early on and it becomes about your brand you know and, and that's that's lucrative so I get it um, but that's not my that's not my old world and it's certainly not my world now um, I am not an asset right now rusty 
Um, yeah, I'm doing my best, but, uh, um, but yeah, you know, and, and uh, that's, that's the world we live in ultimately, isn't it? But, but people that ended up in my old organization aren't needy. Um, they are, so some people will have the opinion they are more so now. Everybody looks at the younger generation through different eyes from their background, don't they? I don't buy into that necessarily. There's a lot of people in my old organization, the young guys that are incredibly good and not very needy at all. People aren't needy in my organization. So you were, uh, or. How individual, how individual would it be? Would, would the, the whole process be? Clearly, clearly you're building mm. a team of people that are going to work together. Mm. But at the same time, that would be. So I think of resilience as, you know, it's a very individual thing. What's pressure that you would be possibly different to me and therefore. So I'm going to ask you the first question first. How individualized would be the programs? Um, significantly. Um, you know, we are looking for a certain type of person, but their ability to fit into a team is way more important. And people will be unsuccessful because they're just not fitting in. And that becomes highly debated and it's incredibly subjective but we've got various or we had various methods to, to do that but uh um it's more important than the individual that the organization is so if you don't fit you don't you don't get in it's as simple as that and um, you know we're not we're not looking for incredibly high performing individuals we're looking for people that can be a team player because that's the strength lies in the team so yeah it's there is lots of individual tests but uh your, your ability to fit into the team and how well your character um, and the various different facets of your character fit in and it's drawn out in various different ways and tested in various different ways is, is critical. Um, so yeah, it's uh, massively important. How would a maverick survive in the SAS? Does that exist? Does that word exist? I know um, a term I hear from a lot of coaches in sport. He's a bit of a maverick. How do I deal with him? I think it takes all sorts. So there's certainly uh, individuals, but those self-serving, you know, often we, we sort of um, call badge collectors that are just doing it to tell people they've done this, that, or the other. They don't stick around or they don't last long. I know, in fact, I've had this conversation previously with a number of uh, Navy SEALs, you know, on the back of lots and lots of movies around Navy SEALs. They've started to attract the wrong kind of person that are looking for that, that glory. And that's not what the organizations are about. And, and so they definitely struggle with that, but they definitely, some of them get in and they, they absolutely exist in the UK too. But, uh, you know, they, they adapt or they don't end up sticking around. It's as simple as that. I never thought of that. Maybe that existed with Top Gun as well. People saw the yeah. volleyball scene and thought, <laughs> I fancy yeah. a bit of that. What, uh, and, and then my other question is around support. So clearly this sounds like a pretty intense environment where there's significant consequences for things not going well, high stakes, um, lots of kind of physical, mental, emotional stress on the body. Yep. What would support look like? Because clearly there'll be, you know, and it's, 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 it's a million miles away from sport where there's, where there's lots of issues around this and actually lack of support. Um, men under 45, biggest killer, suicide. Yeah. What's the, is it, is it high support? Uh, it, it's got to be. It's got to be. So it's, it's incredibly complex, as you can probably appreciate, Rusty. But um, yeah, the support is incredible. And that's the support in that team is, is where the support comes from primarily. There's, all, there's also now we're getting much better at signposting people um, to 
you know, there's a lot of senior people that have seen a lot of stuff, right? And so there, there's a lot of people that have been through most, most life experiences and, you know, younger guys going to sort of share experiences with those kind of guys is critical too. And having, you know, the, the service rock stars, you know, really sort of help the younger guys is critical. And there is also clinical support as well, because we, ha- you know, the, the guys are assets, you know, there's a lot of investment being put into them. So they, you know, uh, not many people get into the organizations. And so they have to, there's a lot of investment gone into them. And so they, they, they rightly should be looked after. Um, I'd still argue they're not um, very needy. And it's a very difficult, you know, in an organization of, you know, who would be, would feel high performance. And it's, you know, these organizations do feel very high performance for someone to put their hand up and say, I feel like I'm having a bit of a wobble is, is difficult for people. And there's lots of cultural boundaries there. Um, but in my time, you know, we've um, seen things happen and made adaptions and improved things massively. Um, you know, the tempo that things happen from twin towers attack is just incredible. You know, the UK military has never seen anything like it at the elite end. They've not seen anything like it ever for the sustained amount of time. And so we, we've learned, had to learn, adapt as we go. Um, um, but you know, we've done that, you know, I think incredibly well, you know, I, I, only when I stepped off the train, did I realize just how fast that train was moving, um, and how intense life was. And, you know, I love my life now, don't get me wrong. Um, um, and I don't, I don't miss it in you know, that aspect of it. I don't miss the intensity of how quickly you turned around and where you got your relief. Your relief was with the lads and you were out doing the, you know, various different, um, adventurous training, shall we say, to just, you know, that was your outlet because you needed outlets because it was so high performance, so high adrenaline. And you, you were looking for that. You were seeking that a lot of the time. Yeah, nice. And what, uh, we chatted about a few of the things that, and I want to pick up any more that we've missed out around where you think there's transfer to sport. Um, what have you learned since you've left? What have you used reference? Um, yeah. So, um, I'm off the I've, track a bit. yeah. I've, I've probably, excuse me, I hope this book will I'll jump out. Okay, five minutes, thanks. Okay, okay. I'm getting kicked out, mate. I'm going to have to move. Uh, take a pause. But uh, what was so, Go for it, yeah. so sorry, mate, you were just chucked out of the room by the <laughs> I thought you were going to like ninja him. Um, no, no, no. I'm a lover, not a fighter, Rusty. I'm a lover, not a fighter. I mean, what stuff have you, have you been learning from other worlds since you've learned? Yeah. Um, lots of things. Um, uh, I guess primarily that um, you need to always be learning. You know, I, you know, our my background has, has you know, got fantastic context for some people at the far right extreme of um, performing under pressure, etc. You know, that's something I can help teams with. Um, but equally, you know, I think one thing that we were lacking massively is. Uh, the horsepower for uh, data analysis on human performance. You know, we, we, we play at it really when sport has got huge investment in the people um, around human performance, you know, I mean, ultimately we, we're not looking for Ferraris, you know, because we've got to go be thrown in a bush for 10 days, right. On rubbish food and walk out of there uh, after 10 days. So, you know, we, uh, we don't, we can't survive with incredibly needy people. Um, we, we have to. So I guess I've learned that, there's an awful lot that we could, my old organization, I should say, could do better with regards to um, analytics of all this. Um, but equally, 
it's working at the minute. So um, me personally, um, you know, there's there's different languages out there. I speak one language. Um, it's not always easily understood, um, but you know, I'm, the lingo. Um, there's a lot of crossover business, especially. Uh, there's a huge amount of crossover with the human being. You know what? What? Again, I think I've said to you before. Um, a lot of people would look at the, the test that they go through as a as a physical test. It's not. It's a mental test. The, the mental wrestling that you have and you have to be prepared to go through is the same in all walks of life. It's, you know, resiliency and the ability to manage stress. It's the same. And, you know, how well you do that. It's the same coping strategies, the self-talk, the visualization, the breathing techniques. You know, this is translatable into everything. And uh, so I've learned that I feel like I've got context I can give people. Um, I'm still learning and I'm learning where I fit. Um, and uh, long may I continue to do so. Nice. Well, that's a cool place to um, start to wrap up. I've got a couple of one-liners. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other stuff we've spoken about that actually has been, you know, transferable for you. I mean, talk to me actually just quickly. So you met with Fletch. So Shane Fletcher, Canterbury Crusaders, yep. doing a podcast, Cape Baker FA, um, thrown into a room. What was the? What was some of the stuff that you guys that you would have shared with them there that you think would be useful? Yeah, we kicked it around a bit. To be honest, I was on the receive the most of it. I was there to suck up as much as I could. Um, two incredibly um, well-read and well-versed people in their particular fields, and you know, this is what I'm trying to uh, leverage myself into. So I was, I was taking as much as I was given. I know me and Shane had some really good chats. There's a lot of um, likeness with um, rugby players, especially. Um, and the types of people that will are prepared to put their bodies on the line for a cause. You know, there's a lot of crossover there. And um, so, yeah, so we, we talked about that a lot and what that looks like. Um, uh, Kate was amazing in vocalizing um, the FA insights. Um, you know, I, I love, again, the, Again, we don't want to go into too much detail around the, how the different organisations, how the New Zealand setup is versus the England setup. But you know how New Zealand have their sport set up to get the best people at the top of the national squad is is incredibly impressive, um, and seemingly light years ahead of of where we are um, or where England are, I should say. So, yeah, well, I learned losing, a lot. Uh, they're losing a lot. Of, I mean, they got a bit of a, a brain drain with a lot of their their assets. Let's call them assets, but lots of their players moving abroad. So, you know, it would be, I mean, we're probably blessed in England because we have lots of players. Actually, yeah, countries often have to really maximise the individual, which is, you know, would be exactly what you guys would have been doing is going, we've got a certain amount of people that we feel can go and do some of this pretty challenging stuff. We need to support them. We need to stretch them. We need to, you know, give them our all really. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Completely concur. Um, you know, that's where people will reflect and get the most out of their their training, isn't it? When they're they're challenged the greatest. So yeah, absolutely. I've got some one. Uh, I've got Go some, for it. One more. Go for it. Um, <clears throat> performance. What's the question? What does it mean to me? Yeah, one word. Are you going to tell me performance? I'd say output. Uh, SAS, are you tough enough? Not for me. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. Uh, SAS. 
special yeah. high, high performance high performance team of leaders uh, selection uh, challenging hierarchy necessary no nice I like it uh, football good game <laughs> sports yeah uh, yeah I like sport I've, I'm a big fan of sport um, great you know, there's there's few metrics. Tell me what's your top three sports. If if I said, come on, tell me what's the what's the ones you're really into. I in, in order of what I watch the most, um, I love my MotoGP. Um, those boys live on the edge massively. Absolutely love watching those guys. I love a game of rugby. Um, I'm much more of a sports player, to be perfectly honest, Rusty. Um, I like to watch telly, but uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a sports player, so I play everything. Um, love it. What'd you play? What'd you play? What should I know about? Um, this summer, uh, play football regularly. Um, I I wouldn't want to come across you on a football pitch. I'm thinking, I'm yeah, thinking well, Tony I'm, Adams. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm not nearly as good as Tony Adams was, so I uh, can't profess to be. Um, yeah, you've got nothing to fear, I can assure you. Um, I've swung a racket for the first time in about 20 years this summer a lot, um, just because I love sort of getting stuck in with a group of friends. Um, I love going to the gym I love working out so yeah I'm, I play I play a bit of everything mate nice uh, and last word is family the, the most important nice mate awesome it's been brilliant uh, where can people kind of follow you get a hold of you find you yeah so I've got my own uh, website Duratus UK D-U-R-A-T-U-S-U-K dot com uh, you find my website there. I'm on social media, Duratus UK, uh, LinkedIn, everything. So, uh, yeah, reach out. And if you think your teams can do with a bit of insight into my old world, more than happy. If you think I can help out, more than happy to get stuck in. Awesome, mate. I'll leave you to your swanky hotel. Thanks, mate. You have changed. You've changed. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm no asset, though. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Really appreciate it, mate. Top man. We'll speak soon. Bye-bye.